0: The following program may contain medically based, sexually explicit terms and content. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Hi, welcome to the aesthetic podcast. I am your host, Aesthetic Anne, and I'm here with my co-host. Your very pregnant
0: co-host. Sarah. We made it to six and a half months. All right. Which is how many weeks? It's uh, almost 29.
1: All right. Perfect. We are going strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're popping out there. Yep. Pillsbury Doughboy. Boom. Yep. Dr. Charles Runnels is our guest today. And many of you have heard of him because of things like the vampire facelift, O-Shot, P-Shot. We also do hair restoration. So, welcome to our podcast, Dr. Runnels. How are you in Alabama today?
2: Wonderful. Thank you for having me. I'm just really excited to hear all the, the amazing things that are happening at your
1: clinic. Oh, yeah. We're having lots of fun. I want to tell our guests a little bit about you, what I know of you, and then I'm going to let you give the rest of the information. The rest of the story is Harvey, um, what's his name? Paul Harvey used to oh, say. Harvey. Yeah. Uh, so, you're in Fairhope, Alabama. You are basically the father of the O-Shot, the P-Shot, the Vampire Facial, and the Vampire Facelift, which are two different things, and we will um, explain the distinguishing aspects of those soon, Um, and hair restoration, and it all revolves around PRP, or otherwise known as platelet-rich plasma. So before we get started into exactly what PRP treatments are and how they're beneficial, Can you give our audience a little brief description of yourself, how you got into this, uh, meaning, well, obviously you're a physician, but how you transitioned from or why you might have transitioned from being the type of physician you are into this whole new world of what I believe is actually cutting-edge technology?
2: Let's see if I can condense it down to a minute or two. It actually started, my background, I was a research chemist for three years, so I had a interest in centrifuges and mass spectrometers and such. Of course, the centrifuge is part of our procedure. So then I go to medical school, and then I do ER medicine. And part of my in my emergency medicine work for 12 years involved running a wound care center in the hyperbaric chamber. So now you have chemists combined with wound care doctor. Then when I quit the ER and opened up my practice, because I was boarded as an internal medicine doctor, There's several factors here, as you can see. So I opened that up, and I'm doing clinical trials, and I was trying to be, my strategy uh, was to try to be the best doctor possible to 40-year-old women. And the reason I did that is because usually there's a 35- to 40-year-old woman who's in charge of all the health of the family, and I thought if I can make her better, she'll bring the whole family. So that's what I set out to do. In the process of doing that, I became involved in hormone work, and hormone research, before Suzanne Summers wrote any of those books, I was doing testosterone pellets 20 years ago.
1: Oh, and wow. I had so, no idea.
2: And doing research with the growth hormone, and, and back then you had to buy the pellets from Europe, because you couldn't get good ones in the U.S. And right. Anyway, so I'm doing that. Well, so in the process of doing hormone replacement for literally about 4,000 women, you, and of course, to do that, you have to talk to them about their sex. And so if you talk to 4,000 women about their sexual function and you're doing their hormones, you would have to be stupid not to learn something. And you'd have to be, have a heart of stone to not realize how much suffering goes on that's never talked about. They're embarrassed to tell their husband because they want to hurt his feelings. They can't tell their girlfriends because they're not sympathetic usually. can't talk to their preacher or their mother. And so they just go around not having sexual pleasure. And we know this by research not talking to their doctor about it. And if they do, the doctor usually changes the subject after the first question, not you, but that's what the research shows. And so they would come crying to me, and after I would get them well, then their husbands couldn't keep up. So then I'm developed, especially in taking care of those men to help them catch up. So that was the background. Now, where the PRP came in is with the wound care uh, and taking care of the women when they would lose weight, they would complain about their face. Remember, I'm an ER doctor and interns. But they would complain when they lost weight because they'd lose the weight in their face. Yeah. When the fatty tissue went away, they'd look more wrinkled. Right. So I said, I better learn how to do this. So before Jupiter was ever approved in the United States, I went to Canada, which, as you know, that's where cosmetic Botox came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Carruthers up there was first to talk about it. And the Canadian injectors 10, 11 years ago were just light years ahead of the U.S. So I, I went up there. And train with the top account in the world, selling Go and Juvederm. Jupiter. And back in here we just had wrestling at the time and Jupiter. And I did it in a way to help I just wanted to help women be able to keep their face where they wanted it so they would keep losing weight. So now I'll stop. Now you see all the ingredients were there. Yeah. I'm looking at at wound care. I have a background in chemistry. I've got now I've learned to do cosmetic medicine. And in the, in the sexual medicine part of it, what came from the hormone part, actually wrote some books. You still find them if you go online. I wrote books and, and courses online about female ejaculation and erectile dysfunction and all this. So then, boom, I get this idea for using... Actually, the first idea was for using it for sexual function, and I didn't ever expect the facial the, and the facelift procedure to become as popular as it did but I put it out there and I was doing the face as a way to because you can see it better than you can of course vaginal tissue and intravaginal tissue and periurethral tissue. You can't see that without a cystoscope. So mm-hmm. I would <laughs> look and see what the face was doing, but I was doing it as a way to figure out how to do the sexual procedures, never expecting the vampire to get as crazy as So that's the as quick as I can make it version
1: yeah no thank you well you threw some things in there that i wasn't actually aware of so there's there's so cool. many things <laughs> there's,
2: a part of having a conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah there's like so it. many things i can attack this at um well first of all yes the suzanne summers book i've gone to see her speak a couple of times and um so let's talk about the the hormone replacement therapy you got into that apparently before it came over to the states now we're doing bioidentical hormone replacement therapy the pellets um, those kinds of things it's really important and i love seeing clinics when they're using that along with these other procedures because it it, they are highly synergistic and complementary to each other but what's interesting too is now that um and i'm sure you know this i'm a plastic surgery nurse and aesthetic nurse So in the plastic surgery practice where I take care of patients after they've had plastic surgery, um, which is mostly wound care and healing, I work in a place where they stay for about 12 to 36 hours after they've had their plastic surgery before they go home. And, you know, 10, 12 years ago, as I'm sure you know, a facelift was done, you know, what we call the piano wire, you know, they just kind of pulled the skin tight over the skeletal you know, face what was there. If there was any fat left there, they they just kind of the fat was still there, uh, but they just kind of pulled the skin taut. And then uh, several years after that, they started doing the facelift and not pulling it quite so taut, being a little bit more conservative. And then doing fillers. And some surgeons would do Juvederm. They would do fillers during the surgery, which that kind of was a disaster because Juvederm is very hydrophilic. So these people would come out very, very bruised and then bloated, and the Juvederm would hold all of that, the swelling, you know, the fluid from all the swelling. So then they they did go away from that. They started doing fat grafting, which, you know, now the Brazilian butt lift is a big fat grafting thing. But what they have been doing in the last several years is they're realizing that the fat graft, instead of um, only 60% or 65% of the graft taking they're able to get closer up to 80 and 85 percent of the graft taking because now they are in the OR, they're processing it with PRP. And so they're making sure that they do the fat grafting with the PRP. And um, I just think that's amazing. It's almost like they kind of they've they've kind of followed you. <laughs> You've already been doing a lot of that. Um, not the same not the same thing, but the ideas. And um, I just think that's amazing. And of course, I'm sure you could speak to the PRP that has been used in the OR for the last 20, 30 years, just in orthopedics alone, you know, knee replacements and, and um, ligament repair and uh, shoulder cuff issues and all things like that.
2: It's really important to me that I acknowledge nothing really happens in a vacuum. I feel really lucky to have been at the right place at the right time. Of course, to have come up with these ideas, I had to have been reading the ideas of many other people at Care and other places. And I, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time to put them together. So as an example, on the, well, on the other hand, um, a lot of times the best ideas in a specialty come from another specialty because someone walking fresh into the room isn't as close-minded. So, for example, the first person to really teach and develop uh, endoscopic cholecystectomy, which is, you know, is a general surgery procedure, was developed by a gynecologist, you'll say, who had, uh, of course, the gynecologists were doing endoscopic surgery for years before the general surgeon's picked it up, and the way they picked it up was a gynecologist doing endoscopic surgery for his had the idea, hey, I think I can take out a gallbladder. And so he did it, and then he trained something like 40,000, 50,000 general surgeons how to take out a gallbladder with endoscope. Same way with uh, 2 lidocaine which, as you know, is used frequently with surgical liposuction. Well, that was developed by an internist instead of a surgeon. So, so I happened to have, be in the right place at the right time. And I had the advantage of walking into a specialty, your gynecology, without any preconceived ideas, just the things that had been taught to me about other things like wound care and, and uh, chemistry and and cosmetic medicine. So. Anyway, I I don't really take credit for it. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Well, that is true. Together.
1: That is true. And I, I would be remiss to I I didn't really tie together. Um, you had mentioned Suzanne Summer's book, and you'd also mentioned Carruthers in Canada. So a yeah. lot of this fat mm-hmm. grafting that they're doing now has come from Europe. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, they've been doing they've been rebuilding breasts with fat grafts in Europe for fifteen mm-hmm. twenty years. And we're just further behind. Yeah. So, yes, it all, but yeah, it is amazing kind of how it all comes together.
2: Yeah, as we are, I think still, although many physicians have caught up, but as a general rule, most most endocrinologists, in my opinion, although they're brilliant with many things, with, say, cushings disease or type 1 diabetes, when it comes to the sex hormones, in my opinion, the American Board of Endocrinology is about 10, 15 years behind. Australia and Japan and Italy and places like
1: that. Tell us what about the PRP has these, I guess, what we call some restorative benefits or kind of restorative, restorative habits to it? How how does that help? How is it working?
2: As you know, it's been, it was, as you mentioned, it's been around. Uh, orthopedic surgeons worked with it, dentists worked with it. And the reason they had to think about it and other specialists did not. Is that those were the specialties, are still the specialties, orthopedic surgeons and dentists, where they're having to do surgical procedures on tissue that does not have a good blood supply. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when I ran the wound care center, the oral surgeons would send people there for hyperbaric medicine or hyperbaric treatments or forced oxygenation of, of the jaw because they were getting ready to operate on the jaw, a mandible that had been exposed to radiation for throat cancer. Mm-hmm. So now you have yeah. bone that has very little blood supply, yeah. and now you radiate it, and now you have to operate on it, and if the tissue doesn't heal, you have an extreme nightmare. Yeah. So so, the, so, same thing, maybe not so much a nightmare, but still a problem if you're operating on, say, the cartilage of the knee. There's no blood flow, hardly to speak of, and now you have to do things surgically, and it has to heal. So those specialties came... Uh, became very adept and did much research about how to take the growth factors that heal every surgery. When the plastic surgeon or the general surgeon, every surgeon does surgery, it would not heal if there was no PRP or or no platelets. It's the thrombin cascade. The same thing that makes a blood clot, makes a scab, that's the thing we're doing. All we're doing differently is we're taking a technology that, uh, of the centrifuge, or there are other technologies like micropore filters and such. But we're taking a mechanical means to isolate those platelets, so we can get many more growth factors into a tiny space. So the dentists or the surgeons did that because they had tiny places where they need lots of growth factors. But if it were, if it didn't work, so to speak, people say, well, "Does it work?" Well, yeah. If it didn't work, every time you fell and scraped your knee, you wouldn't regrow really any skin, and every time you had an operation. It wouldn't heal up it would just flop open right. so all we're doing is we're making it work in a more concentrated way by putting all those growth factors so when i explain it we're making the yellow goo that's around your scap when you scrape your knee as a kid we're putting that into a syringe and then we're super concentrating it and excuse me we're super concentrating it then we're putting it in the syringe and then we're taking it and we're putting it places where we need tissue to grow For example around the urethra to help a woman with incontinence or around the vaginal opening to help her heal trauma from childbirth so that now she doesn't have pain and she has relations with her husband with her husband and the thing that allowed me to pull it into that space because even though it had been overlooked is i had my toe in that space already of the wound care and so i thought oh let's bring it over here and see if it works in the urogynecological space people are already injecting collagen and, and the collagen, or, and they were also using HA fillers and radius, or, or radius like compound called coaptite, which is calcium hydroxyapatite crystals. Yeah. Just like it causes granulomas in the mouth, it will also cause granulomas around the urethra, but that's an FDA approved product. So people were injecting these areas already that no one had thought of something that was safe and effective. And so. I just got lucky enough to pull PRP into this space. But that's how it works, and so now we're over 11,000 papers published in PubMed, which, as you know, is the main search engine for respect research, uh, that demonstrate effects of platelet-rich plasma to help heal nerve, collagen, new blood flow. And, yeah. so we, and with no cases of uh, necrosis or carcinogenesis except for one bad case where somebody injected the eyeball,
0: so if somebody tries to inject your eyeball, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Like. Okay, got it. Stay away from the eyeball. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that's so cool because <laughs> it kind of seems like a no-brainer. It kind of seems like... I mean, the human body is amazing. It's incredible. This is like the technology of the future, but it also is so timeless because the body heals itself, so it's just learning how to take... The healing parts of the body and put them in other places of the body, which is amazing. That's phenomenal.
2: Yeah, so it's really beautiful in that it's not—it's exactly what your body does anyway. Which is instead of waiting, for example, if you have a scar from delivering a child and the pediotomy from where it was sutured back together. Well, instead of just letting that be a scar, now you just you take those healing factors and what would normally heal wound, you put it there. Now, we have lots of research showing plenty of papers now that we didn't have 15 years ago because it's been pulled into the cosmetic space, showing that it helps acne scars, thyroidectomy scars, keloids. So it remodels the tissue and helps prevent scarring or actually helps scars become more normal in appearance and function. So there's uh, there's a misconception I think about for example what calls nerve damage. But does oxygen cause suffocation? Uh, well, no. You can't suffocate with oxygen and you can't kill nerves with the growth factors that were made to grow nerves. So so there's complications of course with every procedure, but we're working with I think the safest thing on the planet because it's coming through yeah. your body.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree.
0: So what do you – let me ask you a question. What do you say to people or how do you respond to critics that are questioning these methods and these procedures when there's so much – you like you said, over 11,000 um, you know, documents to support yeah. this and well, you know, the successes. Way, there's two
2: ways it can be criticized. One, first of all, if it's a closed mind, I don't respond at all because you're wasting energy. If it's an open mind and they're really – sincerely wanting to understand that's different, but just realize there are people that still think the moonwalk was fake, right? So <laughs> yeah. or, uh,
0: no, how dare you? I'm one of those flat. people. If, if <laughs> the moon is hollow. A, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> if you're talking
2: to a closed mind, you just need to not worry about it. But if you're truly talking to an inquiring mind and, and there's a couple of ways it can be thought about. First of all, it's not, you have to make the point, it's not the end all, cure all magic shot. For example, if someone's trying to make their orgasms better, well, orgasm involves your pituitary gland and how, and prolactin and oxytocin and testosterone and your psychology about how you're thinking about the situation and the nerve conduction down your back and the glandular tissue and whether you have. I can go on and on for the next hour but you get <laughs> right. the point. Yeah. So if I do a shot in your vagina and you think that I think that's going to make your orgasms automatically better in every case, then I've miscommunicated because I don't. Yeah. And so I'll have some people send me an email, I got that O shot and it didn't work. What the heck? I don't even know what you got it for. Did you get it because you have trouble with orgasm or pain because you had an episiotomy or lichen sclerosis or urinary incontinence? Or you're having great sex and you want it to be better or what? So so when they say it didn't work, I need to know why you're having it. And you need to think in terms of systems. I'm actually almost through with a book about the female orgasm system. You have, for example, if you are said you're short of breath, but the bronchodilator didn't work. Well, okay, if you're short of breath because you're profoundly anemic or because you have a shunt from your left ventricle or your atrium and you're mixing it. Venous blood with it, arterial blood. Right, it's and all your shorter breath relative because you're hot. There's a thousand ways yeah. you can be shorter of You have a foreign body that you aspirated into your left mainstem bronchus, <laughs> so Blanca daily is not going to help. So the point is that you don't. We're not just throwing a magic shot and thinking it's going to fix everything. But on the other hand, if part of the reason, or part of what making your sex would be, sex be better, would involve making the tissue of the vagina and the urethra or the penis or the face better, then, yeah, we've got something that could help. But it still doesn't mean that you don't have to think about the rest of it. So that's the first part of your question. If someone criticizes you because it doesn't, quote, work, well, that's right. Uh, You know, 25% of the people in the hospital with pneumonia die. But it doesn't mean antibiotics don't work. (laughs) But the antibiotics didn't
1: work. work. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, but... Okay, so that's the first thing. Second thing is they may be criticizing because they say this procedure is not FDA approved, okay? Neither is cholecystectomy or hysterectomy or brain surgery or heart surgery or uh, heart bypass or any procedure because the FDA does not approve procedures. The FDA approves foods and drugs and devices. So we...
1: Yeah, that is very important. uh, I think... Uh,
2: All doctors do this. It's huge. Not all doctors do this, but we in our group have agreed to only use devices that are FDA approved to prepare platelet-rich plasma in a consistent, predictable, sterile way, which is different than using something that's made to analyze blood, different form of sterility, different consistency, different risk factors should never be done, but some doctors unfortunately do it. So the device needs to be FDA approved for making plasma. Now, the FDA, thankfully, which I love the FDA, believe it or not. Well, let me, let me interrupt have- you there real no. quick.
1: <laughs> just, okay, okay, okay. Just, just let me interrupt yeah, for you for a moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, because yeah. you made some really great points. So I, I want to back up just a little bit to um, the point of, you know, it didn't work or the point of the critics. So for me personally, I've been able to witness this. So over the last several years, you um, before, I was a member of the Cellular Medicine Association, which is what you're talking about when you say that we agree to use you know, certain devices. Yes. Um, because I've been trained by you, personally trained and mentored by you, I'm now a member of the Cellular Medicine Association. But there are people out there who are doing these procedures, and they're not referring to it, under your trademark name they're not referring to it as an O shot or a p shot or a vampire yada yada they're they're giving it another name which means they learned about this they could have learned it on youtube they could have learned it from another friend that was a physician they could have just kind of taken the idea they could have read some articles and doing their own thing they're not doing you know you have a specific we have been trained you're telling us you need to. These are FDA approved devices for spinning the platelet rich plasma. You know things are. Um, there's processes and procedures that are followed, and then so I wanted to make that point to our to our um, listening. Um, what do we call them, Sarah? My listeners. <laughs> Listen. Audience. So to my listening audience. Speaking of hormone replacement therapy, <laughs> my brain's a little...
2: Well, let me expand. let me expand on what you just said a little bit. So, you're exactly right in that any doctor could draw blood, and people who are not even doctors, you can go on Amazon and buy a centrifuge and tubes to draw blood into without even being a physician. So, mm-hmm. pe- and people have done it, and they've, Some of them are now in jail. They were not even physicians. So you can draw blood, and if you are a physician, you can think you're guessing what we're doing. But invariably, when I get an email from someone, some poor lady who says, I had the O shot, and it didn't work, and it hurt like crazy, and I went home and cried, and I'm angry, I'll say, well, who did it? Invariably, it's someone not in our group who... Maybe don't, doesn't have it on their website, but will say over the phone they're doing the OSHA without even knowing what they're doing, and right. I think that's horrible and unethical because it'd be like pretending that like you're part of the Mayo Clinic and you're not. Right. So I spend a lot of money on attorneys to shut those people down. It's, yeah. it's kind of shock. It's not kind of. It is shocking to me how unethical some of our colleagues are. Uh, rather than just join the group. And contribute to our group, our small little fee, so that we can—they're just cheap—is what it amounts yeah, to. Instead so of joining many... our group and helping us out with the with the research, which we spent, you know, all the money, literally millions of dollars, we spent on research and lawyering and and educational materials for patients. And so I well, have no mercy on them. And it's but the educational. Now the other hand, there the, could be someone who's just saying regular PRP, who may be doing a great job, but the do- but the patient is taking their chances. With our group, they know they're getting someone who's using, they understand the protocol that we've developed. As you know, it's developed and mature over the past 10 years. And so at least you know someone has an understanding of that. And then they still may choose to vary it slightly based on the patient and the doctor's judgment, but it doesn't, but just going to someone else, to me, it's like taking Tylenol that has a broken seal on it. You don't know if you're getting Tylenol
1: or, or what. Well, and there's so many benefits to being member of the CMA. You know, every Wednesday night, mm-hmm. you have you run the call, the Journal Club call, where we get pearls of wisdom. We hear from other physicians, other nurses, other people in the industry that are part of the Cellular Medicine Association, what they're doing, um, maybe even mm-hmm. even difficulties they're having. Or you know, we we glean so much from that. We learn from each other. I had, you know, I had a couple of questions. I had a a patient early on, one of my first P-Shot patients, which we'll get to that in a moment. Um, But, you know, I, I knew that everything was fine, but I wanted a rationale. I wanted an understanding how to be able to communicate, you know, effectively to this patient. And so I was able to get onto our website. I looked at some of our um, past journal club calls and you have them, um, the transcript done. I was able to get a couple of names of physicians out of there that were, um, you know, world renowned urologists. I mean, there's world renowned physicians that are doing these treatments. That's another thing that people need to understand. This is not, this is not some kind of like voodoo or crazy medicine. You know, quackery. Oh, this is like yeah, real we've got medicine.
2: Doctors in, in multiple medical
1: yeah, and so I was able to get on there and contact one of those physicians, and all three of them got back to me very quickly, and I was so grateful for that. Now I've I've formed relationships with these different physicians because the male anatomy is not my forte. Um, however, you know, I'm able to to still help my patients that come in for the preopis shot. Because I have them in my back pocket, I have you, I have the nurse practitioner who's a male that works with me, um, but you know. So I want to get to also just the evidence that I've been able to experience myself. First of all, years ago I started doing microneedling, and people were doing PRP with the microneedling. That's what we now call the vampire facelift, and I think a lot of estheticians and and other med spas out there or physician-owned practices that they are doing med spa treatments, I think they all think that just because they're using PRP, and I don't want to get to the technicalities like what's the difference, but I think that they think, well, because I'm using PRP with this microneedling treatment, I'm doing a vampire facial. Well, I want to tell the public that's not exactly – that's a piece of it, but that's not exactly everything. But, you know, so I'm I have been – witnessing people as you mentioned acne scars i have witnessed people's face their tone their texture you know hyperpigmentation greatly reduced or disappearing one of the biggest benefits uh, that i have been able to witness with my own patients over the last several years is melasma patients that have melasma they're you know, I explained to them it's like having diabetes. You're never going to get rid of it. It's a management issue. You have to be careful of the sun. You have to be careful of the heat. You have to be careful of this and that. And you have to wear sunscreen and yada, yada. But you never make it go away. But when it comes to microneedling and then using the PRP with it or just straight injecting PRP, I have seen phenomenal results for these women that are struggling with the melasma and then with the vampire facelift. Same thing. I tell people, you know, it's, it's not just filler. Because one thing that people are terrified of, and I mean literally terrified, are looking foolish. The main thing, especially here in the heartland of America, you know, in the Dallas DFW area in Texas, they don't want people to know that they're getting treatments done. And they especially don't want it to stick out like a sore thumb. So at that point, I tell them, then, you know, we, what you're asking for is the vampire facelift, because we can use the filler to help with some immediate gratification, but then we can also use your own tissue to help kind of rebuild and replace some of that um, tissue, and I'm going to ask you to explain that in a moment, um, because I don't think I give it justice the way that you can, but um, it's kind of almost impossible to overdo somebody you know with their own PRP and I can't tell you how many women that's what they want because they are terrified of looking overdone and looking foolish and then the hair restoration oh my gosh I you know when you have before and after photos of all of these treatments but especially the hair restoration and women and men that are struggling with hair loss and they can see in a before and after photo six weeks and, you know, three months later and six months later the difference. I mean, it truly is life-changing. People don't understand these are truly life-changing. And then regarding the O-Shot myself, when I was at your training, you know, I got up on the table. I was one of the the models being used to teach. I'm sorry, and can, we just, can we just
0: picture that phrase, I got up on the table <laughs> <laughs> and then did what? Proceeded to dance. Boss, Sarah,
2: because I'm glad you slowed her down because I think even though the, the sound of it sounds a little bit funny, the truth of it is, and, it, and it's okay to laugh, I laugh all the time, but the truth of it is it's a very brave thing, you know, and I always commend providers when you're brave enough to experience something firsthand so that you can speak from firsthand knowledge about it when you speak with your patients. That Requires a certain amount of bravery,
1: so I can injure for that. No, well, thank you. Well, yes, you know, it's.
0: Did you take a shot before you got up on the table? No, no,
1: <laughs> did not. I was. It wasn't that. Now, now, stop
0: minimizing this. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's a great point, though. Like, you want to go to people
1: that not only believe in it, but believe in it because they've experienced they experience it. Experienced it, and so for what what I found out, which is truly interesting, what I found out was I had urinary incontinence and didn't even realize it. And a big part of that, and Dr. Reynolds, you, you can relate, a big part of that is those of us in the medical industry, we don't always take care of ourselves. And I just, so the kind of incontinence I had, I'll just put it out there because this is one of the things that it, it definitely helps with, is I, because of, you yeah, know, going through, um, going through menopause, having <laughs> my, Sarah understands me a little bit better now because she's having pregnancy brains. So she forgets some things in her mind, but I forget words. I forget phrases. I'm like, I <laughs> get stuck. Um, but also it's when women get how are early in their pregnancy, you know, the, the little fetus is just a little peanut and it's not really pressing on their bladder, but they have urinary frequency because their hormones are going crazy and same thing happens in menopause. Your hormones go crazy. You start having this urinary incontinence of frequency. And by golly, I couldn't believe it. I didn't even think about it. But then about two and a half weeks afterwards, I noticed that in a single day, I was back to going. You know, when I used to work on the hospital floor, you like get on the floor, you you go get report, you go to the bathroom, you take care of your patients for 12 hours and you get to the bathroom, you know, 13 hours later. Um, after you've finished your charting and everything and you're walking out the hospital door, you stop in the bathroom again. I was able to go hours, not just minutes, and that was life-changing for me. So I can tell the public that's listening to this podcast okay. that I experienced within less than three weeks, and I'm going to say two and a half weeks, that you know it definitely completely... Um, Made a huge difference in my urinary incontinence, which I didn't even register that I was having. So you know, all of these treatments are truly amazing, but you know, it is important that the practitioner giving them that they they set those clear goals and expectations with each patient, and especially with the preopis shot too. Um, so. That's basically, that, that's my experience. Well, while we're experience. on the subject
2: of you, I just want to say that I have trained thousands of people, literally, and, and in multiple countries. I've lectured in Greece and Spain and Australia and New Zealand and India and other places. And I'll just say that you're an amazing injector, so your patients should be comfortable um, coming to see you and confident that... They'll have a beautiful result. And so I, and of course it's not, it's a little bit off topic, but while we're on the subject of you, I want to be sure and say that that was my observation.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. And um and I'm and I was made better by coming to your course and learning some things that that I hadn't learned and didn't know about, and It's just, it's been a wonderful journey. I'm always, you know, I love the fact that we can always continue to learn more and more. And I so appreciate that about the CMA, the Cellular Medicine Association. And we've kind of, we're, I think we need to wrap this up because we could, you and I could talk about this forever and a day. But it's it's just been, I'm just really, really happy. I, I love what I do. And I love being able to help patients, whether it's men or women, to really reach their goals and their expectations. You know, I I put it this way. I just really love to help patients see that their their potential. Because we're never going to stop the aging process. We're always going to continue to age. But this is the main thing I tell people. When someone tells you, oh my gosh, you look great, and they add for your age onto the end of it, do not be offended. So many people get offended when they hear for your age. And I tell them, you need to embrace that because believe me, I've had people walk in my office and I could say, oh, my gosh, you look great, but not for your age. <laughs> or, or, oh, my gosh, you look haggard for your age. I mean, they could be saying something else. And to me, these the, the, the whole um, tool set that we have to offer them just really helps mm-hmm. them to age and embrace aging and not dread it. That's that's really what I love uh, about me, it.
2: Uh, since we're on philosophy, let me add to what you just said, and that first of all, people I think most people understand they're not trying to be sixteen again. But the opposite of that is people who will sometimes say, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to age gracefully. And I'm not sure when aging gracefully became not taking the best care that you know how to do. Exactly. For example, no one would say, I'm not going to wax or wash my car. I'm just going to let it age gracefully. (laughs) I'm not going to paint my house and do everything I can to make it last in the best shape I possibly can. I'm just going to let it age gracefully. (laughs) And yet somehow there's this virtue... When people say that, they'll say it with a holier-than-thou sort of attitude. And I, and I always like to say, well, do you have a house? And how much have you spent on your shrubbery? And, 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 and obvious, obvious, the point's obvious, but I, I think that there is this strong maybe genetic thing that goes on with some people, and maybe more often than people who have two X chromosomes and are, are with child, that is best for our survival, that that there's this thing that women will sometimes, as you know, put everybody else in front of themselves. But um, I think it's worth remembering that when you're on an airplane, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first or you can't take care of the people around you. And I think the best way to age gracefully is do everything you can that's healthy to keep yourself feeling and looking the best that you possibly can. And then the rewards will be that your family and your friends and your work and the people you love will benefit from you being at a better place.
1: Absolutely. So, totally agree. It's the way I think about it. Ah, well, thank you so much. I hate to wrap this up because I mentioned we could talk about this forever, but it has been such a pleasure to have you on, and absolutely an honor because you are incredibly busy. You're speaking, you have speaking engagements. you're you know highly sought after. And then you're also running the CMA where um, we have a call center, and anytime we have issues, we can call in. And you have a great staff that works there. And I just appreciate them so much, but I especially appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the Aesthetic Podcast with us today. Thank you so very much.
2: Thank you for having me, Ann. Thank you, Sarah. And say hello to Dr. Woods. You guys are doing amazing stuff out there. So let me know if I can do anything. And thank you for having me. Yeah, have a good day.
0: Bye-bye. Absolutely. Thanks, Dr. Runnels. Bye-bye. So if you are interested in any of these treatments that we've talked about, you can find Aesthetic Ann at com. You can always email her, aestheticanrn at gmail.com. She is located in the Dallas area
1: in several locations. Several locations. And also, if you'd like to know more about these treatments we were talking about, you can go to VampireFacelift.com forward slash an. That's VampireFacelift.com forward slash AestheticAnne. Uh, Dr. Runnels and his staff was so kind to give us our own little link. So, whether you are another physician, nurse, or somebody that wants to consider offering these treatments, you can go there. And if you are uh, an individual who wants to look for someone in your area, if you're in North Carolina or California or wherever, you can go to vampirefacelift.com forward slash and you can find out information um, for the lay public to. You can find out more about the O-Shot, the P-Shot. There's videos and all kinds of great stuff. So thank you guys for joining us today.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe. We are on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you share it with your friends so that they can uh, be educated, informed, and empowered with their decision-making of their facial rejuvenation and taking care of themselves. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, RN. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Bye.